What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 6 DFS MVP. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Welcome to Episode 227. Daigle, happy Week 6, sir. Week 6, fresh off a chalk-winning week. So interesting to see how we can pivot to this one, considering that we now have four running backs. We'll discuss this in depth that are all going to be high rostered that we have to choose from since on either site, we can only fit three. Yeah, this is probably one of the uh, most unique weeks in terms of chalk in it maybe two years, at least on DraftKings, if I remember correctly, like last year, ownership was extremely flat on DraftKings. It was a very unique challenge last year. Um, but we have had these situations before where we get mega chalk at, at value running back spots. Uh, kind of need like the perfect storm for it to happen. But before we get into that, as you mentioned, coming off of a, a, a big week last week, we had a really big week in Discord. Uh, along with that chalk, we uh, we were on the right contrarian plays. We were on some Gabe. We were on some Nick Chubb. We were on some Patriots. One of our subs turned 200 bucks into 72K. We had a lot of other big wins in Discord, so it was a really exciting week in week five. And if you haven't signed up yet for that, uh, the DFS subscription price is down to $74 from our original $99 price. So get in there as quickly as possible all the content all the projections and of course the lovely discord for 74 dollars we go through super bowl so that is very important and exciting um as we have done every week before we get into the meat and potatoes of week six uh our decision point the one thing that we are looking at every week and you already alluded to it and we uh were in agreement before we even talked to each other the biggest thing that we're going to be talking about is handling these chalk running backs. So, I mean, just what is your approach on a week like this where we have, I mean, four guys really who are are underpriced. I guess Ramondre is priced fine on FanDuel, but uh, the other three backs on both sides and Ramondre on DraftKings just ridiculously underpriced. So how do you handle this situation? I hate it. I, I think it's easier <laughs> yeah. to get away from Eno, for instance, on a site like FanDuel, sure. yeah. whereas on DraftKings being so cheap and having the receiving chops, like that's kind of a priority. Uh, we'll talk about ways to get unique around him, but overall, just, just it, it reminds me so much of Dearness Johnson. Uh, who was the other back last? Oh, Dearness Johnson, Mark Ingram week last week, where it, they're all every down touch base running backs in amazing spots. We know the the Browns defensive leagues. We know Panthers are double digit favorites, or the Rams are double digit favorites against the Panthers. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a mess. So at least we know for Stevenson and for Daryl Henderson, they will be getting all the touches. But I, I'm still honestly trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm not happy about it. Yeah, I mean, if if it was um, you know just two guys, it, it'd be a little bit easier because you'd be you could kind of. Um rotate your lineups where you have uh both together and then kind of uh ping pong the other two we have four and i guess really five if we if we throw Brees hall in the mix there too because he's pretty cheap as well uh you know so Brees, daryl you know um ken walker and 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 Ramondre stevenson I, I i think what is going to be really important is um up to the minute ownership projections leading up to Sunday. I've already had to, obviously news is changing really, really quickly. Um, move ownership projections around. Once we got official news that, uh, that Daryl Williams and James Connor out, Eno's projection, both 
uh, his fantasy point projection and his ownership projection moves up. I I think that when we, one thing that we really don't want to do is it could be really easy to look at these situations and say, everybody's going to have some combination of these cheap guys. The flip the build is to go to the ceiling plays, um, play cheap wide receivers, play expensive running backs who arguably still have higher ceilings, even, even though they're not in great spots, but they just get more work and, and better pass catching backs. I, I think that's a little bit of a trap in thinking these value running backs that are discounted, that are in line for 20 plus touches. These aren't spots that I typically like to fade. And we have seen, you, you mentioned the week last year and going back two or three years, we have multiple weeks where we do get these chalk cheap running backs. And obviously they're not always going to hit together, but I think especially on DraftKings where you're really fluid with what you're doing in your flex position, playing two of those guys together and playing a contrarian running back as your third running back is has shown to be very profitable. Um, last year that, that Mark Ingram, uh, Dearness Johnson week, that combo did win. Obviously they hit perfect at like 40 and 30% ownership. Uh, we probably don't want that, but uh, it's, it's not a spot where I'm just going to be trying to just flip the bill just because it's obvious. I think it's obvious because these running backs are really, really good plays. Well, I think the, higher priced running backs like Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb have higher ceilings than maybe all of these cheap running backs too. That's yeah, where, yeah. that's where I come in and start wondering how, how much, how many can I get off of really? Because I don't want to go in with like three, 2% running backs uh, when the right. value's there. So exactly. Yeah. And it's, we just got the news on Friday afternoon. I'm, I'm still figuring out it's probably going to take me honestly till Sunday morning. Yeah, and I think we will. It will take us till Sunday morning, and again, that's why Discord is very important. But if we look at where the running backs are in terms of who they're playing against, the games that they're involved in, I, I do actually think when you start building, and if you're building around a game script, you're building around narratives and how these games can go. I, I do think to a certain extent these situations will take care of each other a little bit because we have Eno and Ken Walker in the same game you're probably not going to play them together in a large field tournament lineup and cash. That's fine. Um, but a, a game script where they both go off basically has to just be like uh, a super explosion. And if you're stacking either passing game, uh, that's probably going to limit how often you want to use those running backs in that game, which in turn is going to probably let you use a Ramondre instead as the value piece. And then to your point, if you have lineups where you're using the other guys and you can afford, say, a Nick Chubb, you get very big leverage off of one of the most popular backs in the slate by using Chubb instead. So I, I do think if we're thinking narrative or thinking game script, I, because these players are, we have two playing against each other and we have some obvious pivots, I, I do think some of these situations will take care of themselves once we start building and realizing how these um, lineups work together completely agree that's why i want to ask you for my decision point was really just about you may have just answered it actually what do we lose in paying up at these spots uh, yeah. for more expensive receivers since justin jefferson also is an amazing spot and some other guys we'll get to uh yeah what do we lose because I, I think the natural builds now will become everyone spins down at running back everyone spins up at chiefs bills and that's just stacks and i can't imagine those stacks being in winning tournament lineups, like the actual first place overall. I, I don't, I really don't think chiefs bill stacks will be at the top this week. 
Well, they're they're going to be really expensive, and it's interesting because when you look at when you look at Chiefs Bills um, from a beginning of the week standpoint, it's like, oh, those are the two uh, best passing teams, two highest scoring teams. So obviously, they're going to be the highest owned teams. As the week evolves and we start getting these values and and uh, the game that we're going to talk about a lot, Arizona Seattle, it starts seeming like uh, the only way to get to them is with those value running backs. So. I I do think that um, going away from that game, there, there's a lot to be said about that. I think going away from the build is probably, you're probably going to lose a lot of ceiling just because you just aren't going to get the ceiling from a 4,500 4, to 5K wide receiver that you are with a running back in the same price range who's going to see 20 plus touches. And on top of it, it's not like we have these situations where sure Stephon Diggs is going to be owned. Um, Travis Kelsey will be on to a lesser extent, but we have a lot of high priced pass catchers, high priced receivers that aren't going to be owned. So I, I think the ceiling comes from managing your running back player pool in terms of those value backs and then pivoting to some of these higher priced receivers, not flipping the build. So I actually think from a, obviously in a vacuum, like a CMC or, or a, a Saquon is going to have a higher ceiling than a, a Ramondre. But from an overall lineup build, I think you probably are losing a lot of ceiling by trying to flip the build this week. Makes sense. Um, what we started doing last week before we get into the positional plays, kind of a, a really nice transition into the positional plays and uh, a, a nice bridge between DFS and betting is the underdog pick game. It's a game that a lot of people have been asking us about that you and the betting guys have absolutely been crushing. And I'm just trying to ride your guys' coattail now. Uh, so every single week we're going to do an underdog uh, builder, just go over our favorite plays and let me get my screen up. And one of the things that we uh, like to and it's your turn because I'm passing the baton to you after we lost last week from my four picks. Uh, the only one that fell short, we were three and one, was Saquon Barkley rushing yards, oddly enough. Yeah. Uh, game, game script did not go in his favor since the Packers were down 17 to three at one point in the first half. But the rest we hit, including Carson Wentz, over 236 yards, I believe. He actually got to 350. Yeah. And for those that are following along, for those that are tailing, like, don't get too discouraged like when we're because these are pick them parlays and you have to play at least two and we're usually playing three or four um our win rate is obviously going to be a little bit lower than when you're just picking one at a time and you, you get on, on like a, a traditional betting site but you don't need as high of a win rate because you're getting higher payouts for these parlays so i've been tweeting out primetime slips for for thursday and monday night football on my twitter at now jay daigle and i'm one and two but more importantly i'm up four units because it's it's just like DFS tournaments, right? It's one hit is what we're going for. And then keep on stacking the ROI, even though for short, a median amount of time, the, the line graph will go down. But it's a matter of continuing it rising up long term. Absolutely. Um, so I looked at four for four projections, and these are the ones that really popped to me. So I'm going to throw them at you, give you my, uh, my thought behind it, and you tell me what you think. One thing that we really like doing is um, building correlation into these plays when we can. I have a little three-teamer today, um, but I'm going to start with the, the most popular game that we've been talking about. Uh, Gabe Davis, his receiving line is at... Um, let me see if I can find it here. Gabe Davis is, oh, 
they took it off since we that's how fast it goes since we've logged on they have taken off gabe davis's receiving line it was at 55 and a half um and that was just in the last five minutes that it came down um is, what is there changed, a, though there's there's been no injury news that would yeah i I wonder if people Davis. were just we, if people known about if, the if it was if it was such a bad line that people just started hammering it and we just had bad timing on that. Um, That's okay. Go yeah, ahead and do so the I'm other gonna, two. Yeah, uh, I'll jump to um, Patrick Mahomes rushing total. I mean, these are a little iffy, but um, the Bills do have a a very good pass rush. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see Mahomes being able to to break contain a lot. I think it's going to be a lot of him trying to get the the ball out of his hand very quickly we have his projection at 16 rushing yards his is set at 22 and a half do you are you okay with going lower on that or do you have like a lean on a quarterback that isn't necessarily like a huge rushing guy but does rush uh some if my if the bills it depends what we do here right because yeah last year's matchup in the playoffs for instance they they both sides combined for 15 blitzes. Like both sides play actually pretty conservative. I think we're going to see the same thing again, especially for an injured Bills defense. They are getting a few players back, Jordan Poyer, uh, Ed Oliver, et cetera. But overall, I think they're just going to make Mahomes take whatever they give him. And thus, like we saw against the Raiders, it could lead to more rushing yards if they're playing three high safeties at least. So we'll see what they do. Uh, I'm fine going lower though. That's okay. I trust the projections. All right. Another one I like going to a primetime game. Um, we got Miles Sanders. His touch share, his uh, in pretty much every aspect backfield share has been absolutely spiking. Uh, Philly's offense has been clicking on all cylinders. He's projected for only 66 rushing yards. We have him up at 88.3. I like over on Miles Sanders rushing yards. How do you feel about uh, that game of Miles Sanders in general this week? I completely agree. All the injuries we were worried about for the Eagles, everyone that matters got in a full practice on Friday. So that means everyone's going to be good to go. Whereas last week in the second half, whenever at one point they ran the ball in 12 or 15 plays, a stretch that big. But also remember they lost center, left tackle. Uh, they were quite banged up in the second half of that game, which made them change their approach overall. So I think they could possibly build a lead and then cruise with Miles Sanders in the second half, as we've seen them do through the first four games before last week's injuries. Uh, another one, we've seen this guy's um, both target share and workload go up quite a bit. And this is a team that is probably going to be in a negative game script this week, the New York Jets. Uh, last minute, if you want to throw a third one in, we can. If not, we can fade it. But uh, Brees Hall's receiving yard prop is at 19 and a half. We have him projected for 33, uh, basically 67% above his projection. Uh, I like Brees Hall getting uh, a lot of passing game work in this game. How do you feel about going higher on his receiving yards, or would you rather stay with what we have here? Receiving yards is fine, because I don't know what's going to happen to this game. I think it's a pretty good matchup for the Packers, but if we are talking negative game script, I would think it's still a 60-40 timeshare in favor of Hall in terms of routes run. Uh, there's a real chance also Hall maybe drags the Jets to a competitive game here since the Packers' run defense is so poor. Yeah, also... Uh... As we've talked about the intro, looking for a, a pivot off of those cheap guys. Out of no one's all playing Brees Hall this week Brees, either. I had yeah. him double digit. I think it's going to go down. So Brees Hall. So we got uh, Mahomes under rushing, Sanders over rushing, Brees Hall 
over receiving. Our standard bet each week is going to be $25 on these parlays. Uh, if you guys want to go higher or lower, obviously feel free. We hope you guys tail us, and we hope we absolutely smash those. So uh, we'll get that one in. Uh, we can go ahead and get that screen out of there. And if you guys haven't signed up for Underdog yet, make sure you go to 444.com slash underdog. Use your promo code 444 when you sign up for a new Underdog account and get a free DFS subscription plus a 100% deposit match up to $100. And uh, come back every single week and we will smash these player props and hopefully win you guys more money than we already are with these DFS picks. Uh, let's hop into our quarterbacks. We're going to talk a ton about this game. Um, I had a feeling that you were going to like this side of it. So before I submitted my pick, I left it for you because I love this guy too. Who's your quarterback? It's Kyler Murray who will go overlooked because he doesn't have a ceiling game yet. He hasn't yeah. finished any higher than the QB eight in any game so far this year, averaging career low 5.6 carries per game. I think personally due to injuries. And then the one time he got the passing bonus up for over 300 yards on DK, he didn't score a touchdown that game. So we have yet to see him actually matter. And he's never been in a winning tournament lineup, but this is the game we've been waiting for. Uh, Seahawks defense is still the tides that lift all boats because we've even seen Jared Goff that matchup against the Seahawks finish as the overall QB one in that game. So I, I really think we get a nuclear performance from Kyler. I, maybe the Cardinals just take it to the Seahawks. I don't know, but I'm confident in the total either way. And I want pieces from both sides in this matchup. Yeah. And this is, uh, and, uh, this is what I'm talking about when we're talking about these running backs. I don't I don't know yet if it's going to be Eno or Daryl or <clears throat> Ken Walker on the other side that ends up being the most popular running back on the slate. But with a guy like Kyler, like for him to go nuclear, we want him. I don't know if he has double bonus upside like a uh, Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, but he can obviously get you a nice 50, 60 yards on the ground. You can single stack him because he can rush in uh, uh, one or more touchdowns. and he's probably not a player that makes a lot of sense with an, you know, Benjamin. So like, if you are playing Kyler, like these things kind of start manifesting themselves, right? You're probably not going to play Kyler with a lot of, you know, if you're playing 150 laps, maybe a one or two, but if you're playing single entry, I just don't think it's something you're going to do. So, uh, uh, just think through these things as you're building your line, whether it's cash or GPP, think through these things. Just don't like be jamming in the place that we say, cause we like them a lot. Think about the narrative of the game. I'm staying in that game. Geno Smith, 7,400 Fandle, 5,700 on DraftKings. As you mentioned, uh, Seattle, the, their games average the third most points uh, combined per game, 56.2. Uh, this game is one of two with uh, team, uh, I'm sorry, a game total of at least 50 points. Uh, teams pass at the highest rate over expectation against Arizona. Seattle's fourth in both pass EPA. I'm sorry, fourth in pass EPA, first in explosive pass rate. And we have Geno projected as the top four positional value on both sides. Now, I will say, even though Geno is a great value, I'm guessing he doesn't, as, at least on DraftKings, I'm guessing he doesn't make it into my cash lineup because we're our cash lineup is probably going to be three value running backs. We have another, like we have like two or three pretty obvious value receivers. I think it's going to be pretty easy to get to Josh or Lamar in cash. So even though Gino is like a crazy value with, when we look at the slate, I don't think we're going to need to go down that far in cash games. Now the, the issue is, especially on DK is Gino might be depending on, on how, 
Brady and Allen's ownership plays out, Gino might be like the second most popular quarterback on the slate. So I, if you're obviously you, you said you're playing Kyler, are would you uh, are what, you do you like Gino at like do you like Gino at fourteen percent in a GPP? No, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, I'm thinking too. I, I think I have my pool dwindled down. Save yeah. it for the Discord and uh, <laughs> Kyler. Kyler Drink. is in. Kyler is one of the two. Like I literally think I'm, I'm between two quarterbacks, and Kyler's one of the two. Yeah, um, I'm open to Geno though because to your point. So this Cardinals defense, it did not blitz Baker Mayfield in Week Four. Uh, they just let Baker make mistakes as they figured he would. But every other quarterback they faced, they blitzed on at least forty percent of their dropbacks. And Geno actually leads the league in completion rate against the blitz this year. So if the Cardinals do that, which they've consistently shown on defense, like Geno can pick them apart. Also, you wouldn't play Ken Walker with Geno, right? Like, and I think Eno with Kyler makes a lot of sense. Kyler at one to five percent. That's your like we saw with the Seahawks Lions game, where everyone or the winning tournament lineups played the chalk and then just tacked on two percent Geno to those t- tournament lineups. Kyler kind of reminds me of that, where you play, you can play Eno. And then Marquis Brown, Rondo Moore, however you want to go, Lockett, Ken Walker, whatever combination, and then just tack on Kyler at two percent and be okay as long as he hits a ceiling game. Yeah, I'm not. If I'm going running back quarterback stacks, I want one of them to be offsetting the other one. I don't want two of them to be popular. So Geno and Ken Walker definitely doesn't make sense. If you're playing Eno with Kyler, do you think Eno gets? Because this is why, like. Devin Singletary with Josh Allen because Devin Singletary will catch so many passes. Are you playing him because you think Eno will catch passes, or is it just like you're playing that for that game to go nuclear and Kyle to Kyler to have I don't know four total touchdowns and Eno to go for like one hundred to one? I mean, even in the committee, Eno Benjamin has seen four targets in four or five games this yeah. year. So yeah. like he is. He's at least getting that opportunity, even when he's the backup. So I would imagine he gets that opportunity as a starter. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, so it's probably it probably makes more sense on DK if you're playing them together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. On on Fanduel, I think you can play Kyler with both Marquise and Rondell. You know, we saw this Seahawks defense even give Taysom layups, and that's very similar to Rondell Moore who got moved into the slot again last week, over 80% of his routes from the middle of the field, the same usage from last year, a two yard depth of target, but against the Seahawks defense, that's fine. Like we can actually turn these layups into home runs all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's such a tough problem to, to sift through. Like these are, these are the toughest weeks when we have the, when we have two games that just look like they're going to lap the field and then, these value running backs on top of it. It's just, it's, it's really hard to like have a, a definitive stance. On- and it's so tough too, because not only have we been in a situation where you have chalk game chalk, and then someone just tacked on the quarterback and brought him along. We also have another scenario from this year already where the two games are the two late swap opportunities, the two oh. chalk opportunities. And remember, this was the situation we were in with Miami Baltimore that week. I think it was week three. And the winning lineups played all noon players. Just didn't even worry about the afternoon slate and said, if the afternoon Diggle, fails, nobody nobody knows what noon is. Nobody oh, I'm knows sorry. The, uh, the 1 p.m. Eastern. The 1 p.m. Eastern. Remember, like the winning lineups just stacked 1 p.m. Eastern and said, if the afternoon fails, I win everything. Yeah, and the yeah. afternoon failed. So 
I'm, I'm actually I, f- I forgot to bring that up. Uh, that's I'm glad you said that because the Bills are slated for the latest start time, which a lot of people have, you know, a lot of late swap opportunity. Um, I, I'm sure a ton of you guys are baseball fans that are watching this. But if the Mariners win tomorrow, then the Seattle game gets pushed to 530 Eastern time. So they will actually be, which is 2.30 Pacific. So they will actually be an hour later than Buffalo KC. So keep that in mind if you're playing that game. And I, as far as I know, it will stay on the slate. Uh, that will actually be the late, late swap. It'll be like old school Sunday night hammer. You have an extra hour to decide what you want to do. You'll but, have a t- What's that? So I agree with you, but are we sure they would move the lock time? They, they announced it. Oh, oh did they? No. Okay, cool, cool. Oh, oh no. I, I'm not sure they would move the okay. lock time. Because like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're letting salaries slip through the crack. I mean, they're not even moving Debo and Tyler Lockett. So yeah. like, I wonder if they like actually don't move the lock time right. and make I you would, still start those players. I, I'm going to try to get a definitive answer. As cool. far as I know, like it, we should know by tomorrow. Obviously, that, that Mariners game is tomorrow. Yep. So um, we'll know by, by tomorrow night we should get some kind of announcement or some kind of clarification. So pay attention on Twitter. Sign up for Discord. Um, I, I'm going to do everything I can to get uh, clarification on that. But I, I think the, if the scheduled time is moved before kickoff, I think the rule states that the game locks when the game starts. Because I, I want to say that we had a similar COVID situation and we got like a sim- Sunday night hammer because of this. Um, I, I could be wrong. Maybe it was a weird weather situation, but that would be last minute. So I, 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 I'm pretty sure that the lock time would change. And if, um, like you said, if that's the case, then Bills Chiefs, we yeah. would know the ownership in our lineups. Yeah, yeah. And then we could swap around on Cardinal Seahawks. So it yeah. could make it. It could make it like a super interesting like meta slate on top of all the stuff we already have to deal with. Uh, we talked about all of the value running backs as as a group, and that some higher price guys are going to have or already do have similar ceilings. I can't decide which high price guy I like. You like one of them above the rest. Well, I would argue Jonathan Taylor has the highest ceiling, and I like a few of the high price players. It's an issue on this slate where I know we need to probably spin down at running back too, but Jonathan Taylor's in such an amazing spot, knowing that he projects with the highest ceiling, that no one's going to play him since they have all this other running back value to play. Naheem Hines is questionable. And I've just been under the assumption, and I think we'll be right 98% of the time if we work under this, these assumptions, that given what happened to Tua now, uh, if a player suffers a concussion, they're out the next week. So I, I'm just imagining that Naheem Hines is out. And Taylor was already handling 75% of backfield touches. He actually outsnapped Naheem Hines 45 to 22 on third and fourth down this year. He was already a bell cow, but now with Hines out of the way, they're not going to Deion Jackson or Phillip Lindsay. Like this is all Taylor. Taylor's cleared. He practiced both Thursday and Friday. I imagine it's his backfield. Everyone will box score hunt and see that he had those disastrous 10 touches in week two. But remember the Colts were coming off of a 90 play game. Uh, traveling for an early kickoff the next week afterwards, and that's why they got slaughtered by the Jaguars, who we've seen the past two games may not be as relevant as we thought in the first month of the season. So, yeah, I, I think the Colts are in a terrific bounce-back stop for Jonathan Taylor in particular. Yeah, on on DraftKings, uh, if if people go with uh, a high-lower studs and duds build at running back, the most likely combo is probably going to be one of the cheap guys with Saquon. Saquon's 
projecting the best uh, good matchup against Baltimore. Obviously, just his workload has been through the roof. Jonathan Taylor is a pretty close price pivot on there, $300 more than Saquon on DraftKings than on FanDuel. I mean, we were starting the season. I think Jonathan Taylor, I believe week one, he was up at 95. He might have even been at 10K. I don't remember. Slipped all the way down to 8K. So we know what Jonathan Taylor can do. And if we're talking about DFS as a, a market, um, he's valued way under market price, at least if he could get anywhere close to what we think Jonathan Taylor is. So a huge value over there on FanDuel. Out of all of these value running backs, the one that I am almost certainly going to go overweight on is going to be Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, 7,500 FanDuel, 6K on DraftKings is just ridiculous. Uh, you talked about this in your write-up, how much of a sieve Cleveland's defense is, especially on the ground. Uh, we saw once uh, Damian Harris went down last week, that did not cost me thousands of dollars in GPP plays. I'm not mad about it at all. Don't get, do Steve. not get me started on that. <laughs> to, to get Damian Harris to play it right at 11% in small field on FanDuel, Amandre was 34%. I had it. Had it in the bag. And then you get one point. I'm my sorry. Other, my other eight plays didn't run super pure. Not not worried about it. Uh, Ramondre saw a 90% snap share last week, went for 25 for 161. Uh, we assume that he's going to uh, probably uh, inch that in. No, Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong's not going to hurt us. I don't think so. Now, okay. <laughs> we will have most likely two active backs behind Stevenson, but I can't imagine they they factor in Strong, who's been on the active roster, but hasn't been active yet this year. And then, of course, Kevin Harris, who they called up from the practice squad. Yeah, I, I think he'll be plenty fine. New England, eighth highest run rate over expectation. Cleveland facing the ninth highest run rate over expectation. Cleveland last in rush EPA per play allowed. 31st in explosive run rate allowed. 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Any way you cut it, we know this team is really, really bad against running backs. We have Ramondre as a top two value on both sides. Top overall value on DraftKings. As I said, um, even if Ramondre is 35%, he is the running back that I'm going overweight on. He'll be in my main single entry, three max lineups. Like, we got to take a stand somewhere. I probably, you know, I, I mix in the other guys, but again, especially with that Seattle Arizona game, how we're going to be mixing and matching with the quarterbacks, I think just naturally I'll come in underweight on that game because I'm probably going to be stacking Kyler more often than I, I, I'm playing the running back. So that's probably going to lead me to a lot more um, Ramondre. Let me pivot to wide receivers because. Yeah. If you don't play Ramondre, I still think Jacoby Myers is an awesome pivot, an awesome play if you can get there. Uh, fairly cheap on both sides, 5,300 on DraftKings, 6,600 on FanDuel. He's live on both sides. A 37.5% target share in his past two active appearances has quietly led the Patriots and targets in all three games he's been available for. And then just last week to soak up a 37% target or 38% target share from Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones is questionable. I doubt he plays, but either way, Jacoby Myers is also in an amazing spot, knowing that they can likely have their way in the running game, but that's also going to open up shots over the top against a defense that is dead last in sack rate this year whenever Jadevian Clowney and Miles Garrett are off the field. Both got ruled out already. So I, I, like, I think Myers is pretty sneaky for tournaments. Yeah, he was the last player I wrote up, and I, I was – you know, obviously pretty trepidatious about it because the Patriots pass catchers aren't some aren't players you think of having a huge ceiling, but we've seen, we are, we've already seen them pop in winning tournaments 
uh, tournament lineups this year. And even if Mac Jones does play, go back to, to Jacoby Myers game before his injury, he had a 38% target share with Mac Jones in that game, 20% target share in all three games. He has been active. The thing I like about Jacoby Myers as a pivot is a lot of times when we get these chalk running backs, we want to uh, pivot to the passing game and you end up you you end up investing a lot in the pivot or in the leverage play because you want to if you're playing the quarterback you're probably going to stack him so now we're investing two sometimes three players just to leverage off of one one high owned running back Jacoby Myers makes the most sense as a standalone play so it's a cheap pivot it's you're not investing a ton in the team um, and you don't need the offense to go absolutely nuclear for Jacoby Myers to have a big game especially on DraftKings so I love the Jacoby call I think he is probably one of the best pay down best uh, standalone plays on the slate from a straight up value perspective and this guy is going to be popular but Chris Godwin 6800 Fandle 6100 DraftKings at Pittsburgh, the line on this game actually moved in favor of the Buccaneers overnight. So now Buccaneers are up to the uh, second highest team total on the week at 27 and a half. And they are back to that that pass happy Tampa Bay that we have known and loved since Tom Brady took over their third in passing rate over expectation, 10th in pass EPA per play. And Pittsburgh is uh, a absolute pass funnel. They are sixth in adjusted fantasy points versus running back 24th first quarterbacks we saw last week uh the thing we were concerned about with the bills last week was is pittsburgh going to push them and can josh allen get there if he's not pushed um josh allen could get there if he is not pushed I, Uh i and it could be even uglier this week because they are down like they're like half of their starting defense all of their secondary so uh angry Tom divorce Tom whatever narrative you you want to bring to the table um Chris Godwin is underpriced on both sites he's going to get a, a fair target share from Tom Brady again I get the, the only concern with Chris Godwin is that um we've since him and Mike Evans when him and Mike Evans has played together Mike Evans had a target share over 20 percent in week one last week Leonard Fournette had a target share of 22%. That's the only two instances where they've been healthy together that a player has seen over 20% of targets. If Godwin doesn't get his early, um, there's a chance he doesn't get his at all because Brady has been spreading the ball around a bit. But at his value, especially on Fanduel, it's 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 pretty hard to avoid at least in cash games. Completely agree. Uh, Godwin played six snaps in the second half last mm-hmm. week. They took him off the field when they were yeah. cruising. Even though he got in a full practice on Friday, I think it'd be the same thing for him as they continue to limit him and in just big wins. So, yeah, that's why I still like Mike Evans for for tournaments. It, it's always the same thing. No one ever play. Well, people play Mike Evans, but Chris Godwin always comes in higher rostered. Most of the time because he's cheaper, but because Mike Evans, honestly, has the higher ceiling every week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have another guy that I think is maybe the second best standalone, maybe the best standalone play on the slate. I was going to save it for the Discord, but the <laughs> T. Higgins eventually being ruled out, we think it's head tra- uh, trending that way. And Marshawn Lattimore also being ruled out. Everyone's going to get there. This player is going to be 30% rostered. So I may even not get to play him anymore. But Do you think he is? I, I, I honestly think so. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I have been wrong about my a lot of my percentages um i the players that we think are sneaky let's go all the way back to like rashad penny got us there against the lions but to see him come in at 30 percent when it closed like these players that start trending 
they get steamed even heavier this year. Like it's yeah. just everyone catches on to it. So that's all I'm going to talk about it because I don't think it's going to sneak by. But I, I genuinely think Jamar Chase will be 20% roster by the time we get to Sunday. I'll have but, to I'll have to look at at um, obviously Saturday night. Uh, Saturday night, early Sunday is the ownership you're on. Be looking at. I, I get them out Thursday just for anybody that is playing full slate stuff. So you guys have a guide, and, and I tweak them on Friday. And and I got to see how the math works out. I mean, at, at the high price, Stephon Diggs is going to take some ownership. I, I guess if I really, th- I guess with all of the cheap running backs, I, I guess there's a really good chance Jamar does spike. Or a lot. with all the cheap running backs, people will have a choice between Diggs, Marquise Brown. Jamar Chase and Mike Evans. Uh, and that's if you pay down at tight end. If you pay up to Andrews, you can get still get at least one of those wide receivers if you spend down at running back. So or I pay up for it, Kelsey, for instance. I think Marquise probably gets squeezed there because they have they have because that'd Ertz, be awesome. People are gonna play, play, people it. are gonna play Ertz, Rondale, and Eno. I think Marquise probably gets squeezed there out of everybody. All right. Well, Jamar Chase. Sports Info Solutions yeah. has him has him with a 32.9% target share going back to last year whenever T. Higgins has been off the field. He already has a 27% target share. I understand he's not getting there because just like last year, there was that month stretch, remember, middle of the season, whenever all he did was spike 20-yard touchdowns and no one could stop him. So defenses <laughs> yeah. started playing more two-eye safety or bracketing him. And so Brian Callahan dragged Jamar Chase closer to the line of scrimmage and started hammering him with targets. And that's why he had, I think it was week six or 10. I need to go look that up. It was uh, actually five and a half yards per target he was averaging. And that's what's been happening. But I think he just gets jammed with targets here if T. Higgins is out. Uh, We are back home indoors. Play all the narratives you want in the Superdome with him and Joe Burrow. It's just an amazing spot. Yeah, he could he could easily out tar- not easily, but he could out target Cup this week. Uh, we saw New Orleans give up 147 on 10 catches to Jefferson two weeks ago. They got absolutely cooked by Lockett and Metcalf last week. They're allowing the second most fantasy points per target to wide receivers lined up on the perimeter, which obviously suits Jamar well. And speaking of Tyler Lockett cooking them last week, Tyler Lockett is arguably the best non running back. Uh, value on the slate, at least on DraftKings, 7,500 Fandle, 5,600 DraftKings popped up on the injury report midweek, which is always scary, but was a full participant in practice on Friday. So that is very positive. Should be good to go. Tied with uh, DK Metcalf for ninth in target share across all players over the last four weeks. After a 15% target share in week 15, we've seen Lockett with at least 25% of targets in each of the last four weeks. And on DraftKings, Tyler Lockett is $1,200 less than DK Metcalf. That makes him a top two overall wide receiver value behind only Cooper Cup. So uh, when I was talking about the value um, running backs, and the value wide receivers, and why I'm probably not going to get to Geno in my cash games, it's because of this. A 5,600. Tyler Lockett on DraftKings with all the value running backs. Like it's just going to be easy to get to Josh Allen this week. I can't believe DraftKings didn't bump him up after he had it's crazy 100 yards and two touchdowns. How did they keep his salary the same? It's frustrating. Um, yeah. Would you? I think the real question is: You have a flex spot, right? Let's say we we run the Cardinals out there. Whether it's skinny stacks or whatever, do you prefer? Ken Walker or Tyler Lockett? Because I think that's a one for one. A lot of people will have a choice in, in tournaments. If just, just doesn't matter. We'll just pretend there, those are my two choices. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, and, and I, I think Ken Walker, because I think 
I'm going to with, with so much value at the running back position. I think I'm going to lean very three running back heavy this week. I think it's just going to make sense for a third running back because you're probably going to be able to get a ceiling quarterback, at least one of the ceiling high expensive wide receivers. All of the running backs have ceiling. Like I, I, I think the ceiling of three running backs when you aren't um, giving up touches just to fit in a third one makes a lot of sense. And like, I think it's going to be pretty easy to pencil in 60 touches in your lineup this week. Fair. I, you said spinning up at tight end as well. I want to pivot it to my spend up because honestly, I think Mark Andrews is a better play than Travis Kelsey this week. And I don't think a lot of other people think that, which is good for me as long as it gets there. Otherwise it's bad for me because the giants have sent with wing Martindale, the fourth highest blitz rate in the league. And have left thus their corners out on islands for the fourth highest rate of cover one man coverage and against man coverage this year, which Mark Andrews, 52% of his targets have come against. He's averaging 10 and a half yards per target and 2.7 yards per route run, which is the, the most yards per route run among any tight end who's seen at least 20 targets. So overall, Mark Andrews and Lamar, it's a really sweet spot for them. Historically, Lamar has struggled against the blitz, but this year he's averaging eight and a half yards per attempt and seven of his 12 passing touchdowns have come against the blitz. So Man, it's it's a good blow-up spot for both of them. And it's such a unique spot, too, because everyone naturally connects Josh Allen to Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes to Kelsey as well. Everyone kind of ignores Lamar to Mark Andrews since they, since they go overlooked behind those higher uh, options, whereas Lamar and Andrews can match Mahomes and Kelsey's ceiling easily. Yeah, I, I didn't write up this game, and now that I think about it, I think – a Lamar Andrews skinny stack works so good just because they're going to be price pivots off the other expensive quarterbacks. Even though Lamar will be under a little bit, but like with all these value running backs, like Josh Allen might, he might get to 20% this week. And if he does, and you could get Lamar at half the, the ownership, that's a very, very good thing. Even if Andrews is like right at the ownership of the other guys with Bateman out last week, he saw 37% target share. We haven't, we don't need Bateman to be out for him to do that. We saw Mark Andrews. I think Bateman's get, already ruled out too, though. Yeah, yeah. So we saw, we, we've seen him over 37% three times already. So you don't need Bateman to be out for him to get there. I mean, the we saw Devin Duvernay get 26% target share last week. So maybe it pumps up Duvernay, but Mark Andrews um, is an absolute smash spot against the Giants this week. Uh, I'm going, I'm going back to the game we keep talking about. And, uh, we had a question in discord already about like, does this game get steamed over Buffalo and, and Kansas city? And it, it might, man, Zach Ertz, $6,000 FanDuel, 4,900 DraftKings. If the industry is projecting this game, like we are, um, everybody's just going to be jamming these players. And we have them as a top two value on both sides, the top overall value on DraftKings. Seattle's last in schedule is just fantasy points allowed two tight ends. I mean, that. That is weighted a little bit by TJ Hawkinson blow up game. Taysom Hill gets tight end points. So that goes into a little bit, but on a fantasy point per target basis, they've been the least efficient team against the position. And it's not like we're just playing a, a random tight end because Seattle has been bad against tight ends. Zacherts has at least 10 targets, three of his last four games. He's fourth among all tight ends in target share. Um, so let's ride this, this Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, heavy target share for at least one more week before Newt comes back and, and bear the fruits of it. Quentin Morris and Travis Kelsey are going to naturally be dragged along, right? Like they're just naturally going to get high, I don't know if people high roster. Morris. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think um, 
it'll be a little K dot niche. Well, maybe he gets like seven or eight percent. Even with Cam Bright back. No, I'm I'm just saying like from last yeah. week, like it, oh, it'll, okay, it'll be yeah. it'll be kind of similar to that where like you know he st- he started the week like not too many people talking about him by Sunday maybe he gets to like eight percent and maybe like fifteen percent in in small field stuff, um, but I don't think I don't think he'll get to like twenty percent in large field stuff or anything like that. Uh, do you have a defense you like? Quite a few. I think mm-hmm. naturally you can play either the Chiefs or Bills defense if you yeah, are yeah. not playing their positional plays in tournaments, but uh, I guess my favorite would be going back and spending up this week. Uh, the Bucks, I think, get quite a bit of passing volume against Kenny Pickett. That'd be tremendous. Uh, and then also, the 49ers are banged up, but because of that, they may come in significantly lower rostered, and I still think the pass rush can get there a Falcon. So overall, like not really one play, but I will say I think my strategy, especially with the Panthers sitting there, without potentially J.C. Horn and Brian Burns um, as the cheapest defense, I think everyone's naturally going to play them. And thus, I want my strategy to be to spend up this week. Yeah, uh, DraftKings has, or actually both sides, have done a really good job about um, not letting favorites be priced in the lower tier, like the bottom half of defenses. So uh, pricing has been almost perfectly correlated to, to point spreads this year um there's usually a couple outliers so it's made it pretty difficult i i still like paying down when i can because we're just really bad at projecting defensive points but i, I do think there is a lot of uh I, I think there are some some pay up to be contrarian options i i wrote up the vikings as a pay up to be contrarian option if you're going to play dalvin as a contrarian running back i think that's a pretty good spot um obviously tampa bay being favored by nine and a half now is a really good spot. But if we're just if we're looking just for a value defense, and they are going to be owned, but the Saints at thirty eight hundred Fanduel twenty eight hundred DraftKings, even though they are two point underdogs, they're at home. Cincinnati's team total, despite being favored, is only twenty two and a half. That's expected to be a pretty low scoring game. New Orleans has been decent at getting pressure, though twelfth in adjusted sack rate according to Football Outsiders. Since now Cincinnati's allowing the sixth highest adjusted sack rate, and Cincinnati's passing at the 11th highest rate over expectation. The more passing we get from a team in neutral game script or over expectation, that's just that many more opportunities. So um, Saints are, are a really good value defense. They're probably going to be in my cash game defense. Um, probably going to get owned pretty decently, but I don't think they'll be like 20% or anything. So if you do want to roll out a chalky-ish defense, if they're like 11 or 12%, I don't think that's a horrible thing in tournaments. And tournaments also, another defense if you want to pay up, I think the Rams will be pretty good because, again, Panthers being the cheapest, everyone sees how broken their offense is. Normally be fine if they had their athletes out there, but against P.J. Walker and injury riddled throughout the defense, like I think it's just a smash spot for the Rams. Yeah, when uh, when PJ Walker's salary came out, I was like, "Oh, do we play a sub five k quarterback just because he's a sub five k quarterback?" And they already had Baker's salary up, and he was only priced at five k anyway. So I was like, "Yeah." So basically, that's that's uh, pretty pretty telling for what we are we are truly about Panthers. to see if PJ Walker should be in the NFL or if he was there because Matt Rule recruited him to Temple. We're really <laughs> yeah. about to see who holds true here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that does it for our 
uh, our, our core for our positional picks. We're going to get much deeper into everything on Sunday morning on the Discord. Make sure you sign up for that. As I mentioned earlier, the rest of the season price for the DFS subscription is down to $74. Uh, so make sure you are getting that so you can get up-to-date projections, especially the ownership this week. I'm updating that as much as possible through Sunday morning. So uh, the, the Saturday night, early Sunday morning one is very important. Uh, if you do want to tag along with those underdog plays we made, go to 444.com slash underdog. Use your promo code 444 when you sign up for that new underdog account and you will get the free DFS subscription plus the deposit match up to $100. And follow us on Twitter, please. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Daigle is at not Jay Daigle. 444 is at 444 football. Please rate and review on your podcast. Please like and subscribe on YouTube. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday morning.